Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, it took about two minutes for the NFL owners to say, okay, let's do that 17 games. <laughs> yeah. No brainer. Justin Fields runs a 4 4 4. Mm hmm. Shade faster than Brent. <laughs> Mac Jones. Uh oh. Did you watch the pro day? I didn't watch it. Oh. Uh oh. You didn't like it? Didn't look good? Look, look, no, look. I mean, he just, listen, he had a couple overthrows. Every guy's going to have some overthrows. It's just the fact that when they showed Kyle Shanahan's face. Um, <laughs> After the overthrows? He kind of added to the overthrows. Does Kyle bit. Shanahan's face always look like Kyle Shanahan's face, though, is the question? He, he, he sticks out. Yeah, yeah. It's, very, uh, it's very Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's uh, that's not a guy that smiles very often. No, no, no. I don't no, think so. No. Um, Mac Jones and and. Justin Fields putting on the pro day, 17-game season. International series is interesting. That's garnering a lot of talk right now. Uh, we'll even get to Kyle Pitts. I feel like we've done this a little bit. We've talked so much about Kyle Pitts. I, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, I feel like he could be a shade overrated. The The position is so unique, and the way he plays the position is so unique that it's a sought-after commodity, right? It's supply and demand, and there's just not a lot of supply of it, and there's a heck of a lot of demand of it. But with all the talk about Kyle Pitts, I almost think there might be – this guy, it might be hard for him to live up to the hype. I mean, you're talking – he's got, like, quarterback kind of expectations, it feels like, to me. Uh, First-round guys do. Mm-hmm. You know, any team you go to, if you end up in Cincinnati, whoever they pick, Penny Sewell is going to have these grand expectations. Anybody that – especially the top 10, top 15 picks. They all have expectation. But, man, the hype around Kyle Pitts and what people are willing to do, it's just kind of fun, right? uh, What people are willing to give up to get Kyle Pitts or a fan base would be like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really interesting because the tight end position is not one of high value to begin with in the draft necessarily uh, over the years. It's it's not a – a, I know Hawkinson went in the top 10, but it's not that kind of position, history tells us. But do you think Pitts is better than Hawkinson? I do I do because I think he plays it differently. Okay. I don't think there are many Hawkinson guys was that – a pro bowler last I year. I understand, yeah. yeah. But he quietly had a pro bowl season. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but he can still do the – he's more traditional tight end. He can block yeah, and he I can mean, catch. The reason why he went so high was because he can do both. Yes. Uh, sure. And there aren't a lot of guys that can do that anymore. You're either specialized as a blocker or a pass – like that move tight end. But but yeah, even yeah. Pitts doesn't even qualify in any of those roles. Like, he's more uh, – you almost have to make a new designation for guys like – Waller and him, and I, I would almost hesitate. I hesitate to put Kittle and Kelsey in this conversation because I feel like they do block on occasion. They just don't get a credit for it. <laughs> no, I mean I think you know with today's NFL, like yeah, you're not going to find too many Mercedes Lewis's or T.J. Hawkinsons that are um, you know legit at the position of run blocking. But you don't have to do that. Like Tony Gonzalez wasn't the best run blocker, but yeah. he was he was savvy. He was crafty. Like Rob Gronkowski, like in his prime, now he was a great run blocker. Like he would push, you know, defensive ends in the back, like to the to the linebacker. Like he he took pride in it. 
if you're savvy and you're crafty, kind of like a Travis Kelsey, let's say, that's fine. Like, they don't need you to push the defensive end back, you know, 10 yards. Like, you you can have help tripping. You can have help with offensive tackle. There's ways around that. And I think with Kyle Pitts, when you watch him play football, this guy's a very competitive dude. I think he plays a very intense brand of football. And if you play a very intense brand of football from the pass-catching position, well, man, I think that you're going to be more than able to learn how to block as well. So I'm not going to say Kyle Pitts is going to be the next reincarnation of Rob Gronkowski when it comes to run blocking, but I think he can be suitable if you teach him the proper techniques and, you know, the kind of like those cutoff blocks and things like that. Yeah, well, I want to talk more about him. What would you be willing to get, seriously think? Like, I love – it's not – those aren't my picks. It's not my job. I love the idea of going to get a guy who's a rare commodity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have to ask yourself that. Like, if you if you walked away – uh, it, this is what I want you to ponder, folks, and we'll get to it a little bit later. We'll deep dive into it. But if if you walked away with Kyle Pitts and Trevor Lawrence in this draft, if you're Jacksonville, in some way, shape, or form, and really not a whole heck of a lot else to speak of that, that really gets you excited, mm-hmm. would it be a win? Or are you of the mindset, well, we have 11 picks and you have five in the top 65 and you better go get some impact players at all five of those picks or four out of the five of the picks. Are you that person? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's two different schools of thought on it. And, uh, you know, again, there was one presentation, I think, out of the athletic today of, of basically taking that 25, 33 and 45 pick and sending it away and jumping up to get Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems a little crazy knowing that what how front offices view draft picks you know they just love it they Mm -hmm. love draft picks like i mean there's christmas morning is for kids yeah and draft picks for for gms well (laughs) yeah i I hear you i mean listen i hear everyone saying that you shouldn't trade that far up to get a tight end it's only a tight end and um you know history shows me take a tight end the first round it doesn't work out well i get all of that my question though is so Let's say that you don't want to trade up for Kyle Pitts. Let's say that you want to keep your second-round picks and your third-round picks. How many positions on this team right now, if you draft in the second and third round, how many of those guys that you drafted would come in right away and be starters? Yeah, we had this discussion, right? We went through the whole lineup. I mean, I think you can make the case maybe you could find two other starters. Okay. Uh, now, if you qualify like a running back as a rotational starter, I can, I can kind of squeeze that. But seriously, I think you're right. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of positions kind of locked up, mm-hmm. and the impact that you're getting at, say, number 45 isn't going to trump what you already have most likely, at least initially, unless they just outperform. So then why we why do we keep on talking about then we get depth picks in the second and third round when we can get a quality guy like Kyle Pitts and we trade up for him? Now, well, once yeah. again, it, it, it's all got to fall into place. Like, I think he's got to slide to at least 10 or, or later than 10 for this whole thing to work because I feel like if you trade you know, in, in the top seven, or top eight, that might be way too much capital. Maybe it's another first-round pick down the line. I don't want to see that, per se. But I'm just saying everyone's trying to hang on to their second- and third-round picks right now. For what? Because they're not going to come in and be starters right away, so what are we talking about? Yeah, and I think that's the question. I think that's what we'll talk about a little bit more. I mean, what is is too much uh, for Kyle Pitts, or is nothing a, too much uh, in this sense? So uh, I really thought about it today, and I, what I try to do is I, I think about it. I get it from the fan perspective. Listen, I get it from my perspective. I, I'll get excited about something, too, if you want. Mm-hmm. But then you also got to think about it from their perspective. I think you really got to put yourself in that seat and say, okay, would we pull the trigger here? And what if then I told you this, this, and this? And then you'd say, oh, yeah, you're kind of right, you know. Mm. So that's the discussion we get into a little bit. The international series with uh, the NFL. 
They're going. Uh, they're going back to London. They're going to go to Mexico City. They're going to go to Germany. It looks like eventually. This will start in like 2022. I don't think. By the way, here's where I fall. If you're seeing all the the talk about the international series, where does it land the Jaguars? I, I I've always been very consistent with this. I don't think the Jaguars are ever going to London as a franchise. Okay, just I'll pound that one more time. I do think London is a thing for the Jaguars, and and how much of a thing it is, like the two games that were introduced back in 2020 that everybody was on an uproar about, mm-hmm. uh, that is debatable. Uh, would that two games, it, let's just say we didn't have a pandemic, they would have played two home games. Would that have continued this year and then the year after? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's a part of the pie. It's a part of what they've branded themselves. It's a, it's, it's a piece of the pie that it's pretty obvious when this comes out that every owner wants. You know, the well, NFL yeah. wants. I mean, the, they want more of the piece of the pie in the world, in the global uh, part of the NFL, not just the United States part of the NFL. And people caught on to that, like what Shad Khan was doing. Yeah. And, and I understand people, they they tie in the Jags as, oh, they're going to move there someday. Oh, they're, they're, it's, it's, they've got tarps or they've got a small market or they're not winning. I understand that's the narrative. But dismiss that narrative for a minute and think – with your eyeballs and make them dollar signs, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that's what the NFL owners think like yeah. often, and not just Shad Khan, but the owners think like that. Well, they just signed a $113 billion TV deal, by the way. Yeah. But three, four years into this thing, everybody saw what the Jags and Shad Khan were doing, and they were like, you know what? I'll go get a game over there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. They saw the dollars. So Jags are not alone in this boat, is my point. And it doesn't look like the international series is going anywhere. Instead, it's expanding. So this is the question then. Because, you know, they had a contract for, for London for, I think, this was the, the final year of it? Uh, last year would have been. Last year. Yeah, so, so like, right now nobody has a contract. Okay, so I get the Jags were always tied to London um, in terms of growing the brand. But like you just said, I mean, there's other powers that be right now. The Jaguars are just a cog in a giant machine, and now the giant machine wants some. And I don't think the giant machine's going to have any problem saying, hey, all right, Jacksonville, thanks for being the pioneers, but now we'll take it from here. So is Jacksonville still going to be an exclusive thing where they play their games in London, where they are kind of the official team of London, or is it over? Is is it just going to be an international series now, and every once in a while they'll play in London, and that'll be the home base for a game or so, but that's going to be it. Where do you think they stand now? I think the Jaguars, this is going to be like one of those, uh, not much of a business guy, but like a negotiation where you throw in there and you say first right of refusal. And I think the Jaguars are going to have that luxury of, you know, in concept, not necessarily those terms, but first right of refusal. The Jaguars, they own that turf first. And I think the NFL appreciated them owning that turf first. They wanted to expand. The NFL did. The Jags were willing to help. They were willing to dance with the NFL on that. Sure. I don't think Roger Goodell or the Shield forgets that from Shad Khan. And so if Shad wants to be over there on an annual basis, I think he's going to get over there on an annual basis. I think he's got the relationship. There's still room for other another team to get over there and then, of course, other places too. And, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But because Tottenham, Tottenham is still – uh, one of the stadiums that they're playing in, mm-hmm. along with Wembley. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jags strictly want to play in Wembley. I, I mean, that's kind of been the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of their game. And if, say, they play two games in London, then somebody else can go to the other one, and, and that can put on that rotating basis. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the Jags, 
I think they've spent so much work there and done so much work there to create this relationship. I just don't see them throwing that to the side, especially now with 17 games and every other year being an extra home game, essentially an extra home game. I put in air quotes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be the Jags to say, okay, we'll open the door for somebody else to come in. I think it's first right of refusal type of thing for them. That's the way I view it. So you view them having one home game every year in London or two home games or just? Uh, no, I review them as one. One home game every year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I think, Austin, I think the, again, this is not, uh, this is me just kind of surmising okay. more so. There's not been a lot of talk about the London because the pandemic kind of shut that down. We still don't know where it exists. And so I think sure. even Shad Khan and Mark Lamping and everybody else in the NFL has been a little bit quiet on this front. So it's hard to gather and connect dots. Mm-hmm. But here's what I think. I think the Jags miscalculated to a degree the blowback they were going to get mm. for the two home games. Mm. Uh, I, I think the economics of it made some sense. I mean, you don't listen. You don't have to be a dummy to figure this out. Fifteen uh, percent of your local revenue came from one game. I asked myself for years and years. Okay, fifteen percent times two that yeah. gives me thirty percent. I get that. You know, I mean, that makes some sense to me. Mm-hmm. When is that going to happen? You know, so I thought actually they'd go away and home just to try that out on a on a multi week basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I think they miscalculated a little bit the blowback they would get, and they got fortunate in a sense because the pandemic. Yeah. Eliminated that. Now, well, yeah, it stopped the conversation. Of stopped it. the conversation, right? And so now you look at what's transpired and you look at 115 to number one pick to Trevor Lawrence to Urban Meyer to excitement to hopefully flipping this thing around. Well, now you might be printing money in Jacksonville. Potentially. You could. And so all the other things that are going on now, would Lot J have helped that a little bit and avoided a second London? I don't know. Okay, I'm not that far down the road. I just feel like the Jags almost got to take two at this to present to their fans to say, okay, listen, why did I stick with that one game? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're going to, don't worry about that two game thing. No, we're going to stick with that one game. Yeah. But they also get a little bit of a benefit here that the rest of the league wants in. And so is there room for the Jags to do two? Right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody wants a piece of it. So I think the Jags will have a footprint there. I think they will have the one game there. I really believe that. Uh, but I, at this stage, and maybe I'm being super naive, I think that that second game, I'm, now it's like almost out of sight, out of mind for me mm-hmm. uh, at this stage. And we'll see how the Jags do, and, and we'll see what else happens. And uh, could it be a, a, a chess piece in whatever Shad wants to do downtown and not get city council's approval again? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. You know, maybe yeah. it is. I don't I th- know. I think that if you're Shad Khan um, and you're – you know, you're overseeing this whole thing. I do think two home games in London is way too aggressive. Now, I think that, yeah, you have to fall in line. Like, you know, you don't have to play in Germany. You don't have to play in Mexico, wherever they're going to be at. But you, you can play one game a year in London, and that can be your home game. But like you just said, there's a new sense of uh, resurgence here in the city um, brought to you by Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. Now, granted, they haven't. Been on the field. They haven't won a game. We we haven't even seen them yet. But if you call the ticket offices and you ask them how's it going, they're going to tell you it's going fantastic. Absolutely. So it's off the charts. In terms of you know, and it was the word that was being thrown on a lot last year, viability. Well, the viability seems to be in Jacksonville now, even though 
Once again, we haven't seen this team on the field yet, but at least there's going to be viability for the first season. Now, however the first season you know goes, we'll see. But I think that when we talk about these London games, I think one is okay. I think two, I don't want to use the term great greedy because at the end of the day, like you're in the business to make money. So I don't, you know, take that for how you want. But I think when you talk about two home games in London with the way this city is right now, it's like, well, what do you want from us? You know, like we we had a record amount of ticket sales in terms of season tickets and people are excited, but we're going back to two home games in London. Like that to me would be another case of bad optics uh, for Shad Khan. And I don't think he's going to be about that. Life. I think he's going to only have one London game. You know, I think you're right on a lot of these fronts, but I'm going to play the, the, the guy who's the billionaire right now for a moment. Okay. And I, I, I got to wonder sooner or later, the shot who's trying to push the envelope in Jacksonville, trying to push things forward. This isn't about the fans as much. Does he say to, hey, well, then tell your city council to vote yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do more. Yeah, but tell also, to sell, you know, sure. But then also tell the people that are in charge of it to go through the proper channels. So the city council's not confused. I mean, we can go back and forth with that. Yeah, we can day. play politics if we want. Sure, but the bottom yeah. line is, I, I'm just telling you from that, if I'm him sitting on the kismet, and, and you're telling me, well, you know, I don't think it's a greedy blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, I've helped. I've tried to funnel a bunch of money into the city, and you stopped it. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you you can say whatever happened, but at but, the end of the day, I was ready to go spend hundreds of millions of dollars, and you stopped it. And so that's not about the fans, by the way. Again, that's about it, the political not, side of it here. It's the political side, and it's growing downtown Jacksonville. But at the end of the day, Shad Khan's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And people have you know, bought season tickets in a record number, I think. So, I mean, I understand that you could be upset because Lot J didn't get approved, and that is tied to the Jaguars. But at the end of the day, you're the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If people are coming to the game, you got no excuse. Yeah, and, and listen, I'm not sitting here to tell you that that's the way he's thinking. I'm just trying to think like hey, I'm really trying to get something done here, and I couldn't. And so am I now a little ticked off that I'm not getting anything done? You know. Yeah. And then, you, hey, City Council, you explain it to the Jags fans You know yeah. why, why we're taking another game over there until we get something done. Does he use it as leverage is, is my point. I don't know. I, I, I don't think you do. I mean, maybe. But if you're trying to get a city and a, um, and a fan base and a team all on the same page, and all of a sudden you said you want to go two home games in London, that does not do that. I think that ticks more people off. Um, oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. So then, wh- wh- why would you do that? Yeah, for, for I, a couple because, extra million dollars. I don't. I, I just have a hard time coming around on that. Well, uh, listen, I'm not advocating it. Okay, I'm just saying sometimes it's business, and sometimes it's in the world of politics, or sometimes it's whatever you want to get done. It's a chess piece, mm. you know. And I don't know. I mean, that's kind of using the fans as that in a sense. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know how billionaires think, okay? Like, I don't sure. know what, uh, what, well, what people I'm think. I'm just like. going by what, what the billionaire has told me. And he said that, you know, there's a problem with viability. Okay. Well, if Jaguars fans come out in full effect to support Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer and this new regime, and they're out there and tickets are selling, I mean, to me, then that shows that it's working. Then it's viable. So it's hard to justify playing two home games in London when you've told us you are worried about the viability. Yeah, Like, yeah. that cancels it out, in my opinion. Yeah, and... and I think that's the way it's landing. I mean, that's what I just told you. I I think it is. Uh, I don't think this is about today or tomorrow. I just wonder three years down the road, does it go back to two? Just to answer your question. Like, could it eventually open the doors back to two? Uh, You know, what folks have to understand a little bit about this whole international series, and I think everybody tied the Jags into it. They tied themselves into it, you know, as as well. But this is now, again, I, I go back to the owners and the shield. If you look at Major League Baseball, it's everywhere. 
right? It's it's in the Dominican Republic. It's in Japan. It's it's all. But if you look at NBA, it's in China. It's in Germany. It's the NFL is not like that. I mean, soccer is a global sport. The NFL, as big as it is in the states, it's not like that. I mean, it's just not. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, people know Patrick Mahomes is probably in China or Colombia, mm-hmm. but it's not celebrated like some of these other sports are. It's oversaturated in the United States of America. Mm. I mean, it's 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 maybe not oversaturated, but it's saturated. Like, sure. where else do you expand? If you're any business, if you're Tesla, if you're Elon Musk, if you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars and all this stuff anyway, you still try to find room to expand, sure. right, and get more yeah. and, and keep pushing the arrow up. Well, the NFL is trying to do the same thing. And I think this is less about Jacksonville and London. It's more about the NFL in this international series because they want to push the product to a non-saturated market. Mm-hmm. There's a whole globe that doesn't know about football, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that they can cash in on eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think the Munich stuff is very interesting. How far will they go? There's been talking at one time or another about China or uh, doing a game. I mean, how would you even do that? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. How you do any of this stuff? But Mexico City, Toronto, London, Munich—I don't know where else they go. You yeah. know, I, I'm not sure where else it lands. But it's happening, and the reason it's happening at the root of this is not because of you, the fan that didn't show up. Mm-hmm. It's not TV, the dollars, all this stuff—they're making a mint. It's about saturation, and how do we globalize the NFL? And, and get even a bigger piece of the pie like most sports do. Golf does it. All these sports do it. Does NBA do it? Well, the NBA does it in China. I mean, isn't it yeah. massive in China? Yeah. In Germany? and uh, I mean, I don't even know where else it's big. It might not be big in South America. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's a global sport, right? Sure. I mean, J- LeBron James is a global icon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, some of the biggest stars. Yeah. I don't... When the China well, stuff my, came about, they point, talked about the ratings in China that were unbelievable for the NBA. My point is this, though. Like, there, how many NBA – I mean, I think there's a couple, but how many NBA games do they play in China? Like, how, how many NBA games do they play, you know, in Mexico? Like, I don't think there's that many. Like, it's That's a, a good point. It's a global sport. Now, football isn't a global sport per se. Um, but, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I get the whole global domination thing from the NFL. Like, you're trying to take over country by country and get fans excited about it. At the same time, if you're trying to be like the NBA, that's fine and everything. But guess what? Like the NBA has global stars. Yes, it's not so much that they play in the countries; it's just everybody knows them for whatever. Well, here's the difference, though, Austin. I think in other countries they play golf, in other countries they play basketball. China, obviously, all these uh, European league basketball, where we have a lot of players locally that are playing and they make good money and yeah. people come out and they see it and it's a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as big as the NBA, but it's a big thing. Soccer is like that too. People don't have football. So they have to go there to introduce it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's not like people well, all over the world are playing football like the way the Americans play football. No, and for then sure. they say, okay, wow, we're trying to be like Patrick Mahomes. No, they're not even doing that. Like, th- there are well, places yeah. that aren't even playing football. No, there's definitely countries that don't play football. A lot of them, I know in fact. Germany has football. Yeah. Like, my, I've had friends play in Germany. But and now no, England, London does. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, there are some things that have popped up, but not broad enough. Yeah. You know, and then if you look at even Canada, they play it kind of different, right? Mm-hmm. Australian rules football. It's kind of. Yeah. But this product, like the NBA, like golf, like soccer, like baseball, is not the same. Yeah. I, I guess I just wonder, and I have no clue. I don't think anybody does here. But I wonder how the world views the game of football. Like, when I say that, like, rugby's big in a lot of countries. We don't yeah. understand rugby here in the United States. No. Like, yeah, it, it's grown. 
we don't understand it. As, like, a, as a casual it. fan, no yeah. like, masses like, of people like don't understand. If you go to Australia, it's rugby. Yeah. You go to New Zealand, it's definitely rugby. I think if you go to Europe in some places, it's rugby. I wonder if you were to try to bring like the NFL and football over there, how it turns out with rugby. Like, what, what do they think about it? It's yeah. like, yeah, this is cool, but it's not rugby. You know what I'm saying? It might be. Yeah. You know, or even the football to football stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, in yeah, some yeah. places. The bottom line, though. There's a globe that is untapped when it comes to the NFL shield in the sure. sport of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're trying to tap into it. I, I think that part is just business. Take the Jags away from it. Take everything, the fan away from it. That's just kind of business sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what the NFL is trying to do. And they're not backing away from that. Mm-hmm. And I still maintain there's nobody, no franchise going across the pond in the next, no, probably in happen. my lifetime. I don't even believe it. I, I just don't, don't buy happen. it. Canada, potentially. Yeah. You know, another mm-hmm. franchise in Toronto or wherever, if possible. Mm-hmm. It makes a little more sense, mm-hmm. but definitely not overseas. I don't see it that way, but I do think this experimental growth of the game will continue to happen. Hey, let's talk about the pro days. Justin Fields, Mac Jones, what did we learn? What does it mean? Where do they go? It's next on ESPN 690. Hey, Brent Martineau. All right, Jason Fitz, thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We had, we, we gave you a short time. Austin Lane. Hey, Jason, real quick, man. Since you have oh, that Bowman McCoff award, um, you know, since you can, you know, vote on that, Murray State's got a couple good receivers. <laughs> no, they, they, they didn't play this year. Okay, they didn't play a game this year. But Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, in terms of being pro ready, yeah, I think I've always uh, tried to be a pro, um, whatever I do. And I think that a team that picks me is going to realize that they don't have to worry about me being the first guy in and the last guy out. I'm going to sit and watch as much film as I can and do all the right things. And then obviously, you know, the tape speak, uh, speaks for itself. I mean, you can watch what I did and nobody knows my reads. So people out there that say that I'm just throwing to the first guy, it's not necessarily true. I do a really good job of dissecting defenses um, and I'm, I'm gonna continue to do that. Obviously in the NFL, it's gonna be really a lot more difficult, but hopefully I'll be able to figure that out. That is Mac Jones. As Kyle Shanahan shakes his head again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> Have we really discussed, like, how good do you think Mac Jones is going to be? Like, we, we're trying to, like, hey, where's Mac Jones going to go? Yeah. And I do think he's still a very interesting quarterback in this class. But how good is he going to be in today's NFL? My concern for Mac is his inability to be mobile. And I understand he ran a four seven forty. The bottom line is he doesn't play like that, folks. I mean, he's plays yeah, differently than Justin Fields. Gar- and, yeah. And, yeah, I'm not even – Gardner's more of like a scrambler. Like, to be honest with you, a lot of teams – and one of the reasons I don't think they played him and they got in the doghouse is they don't like that style. When you're a scrambler and you have no idea where the guy's going to be, like offensive linemen don't like that. It, the play is so broken down. Coaches don't seem to like that. I'm talking about a guy with some escapability that can run away from a defender and pick up eight yards if needed to go get the first down. We see that. You know, Bortles had that ability. Here in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm not saying Minshew didn't, but Minshew had more breakdown ability kind of then go. Uh, these guys today, and I'm not even talking to Lamar Jackson here uh, or Kyla Murray, but these guys have the ability now to run away from a defender, make one guy miss, and then go pick up an extra five yards to, to move the chains and keep a drive going. I just don't see Mac Jones doing a lot of that. See, I don't think Mac Jones really has to do that, though. I think that it, listen, if you're on a four seven nine or a four eight or whatever the case may be, um, and you're halfway mobile, that's good enough for me. I don't need your rush for seventy five yards a game on the ground. Aaron Rodgers ran for one hundred forty nine yards last year. 
Aaron Rodgers wasn't running the football. He was staying in the pocket. But there's always the threat where if it breaks down, he can take off for 10. Yeah. I think Mac Jones can do the exact same thing. But I also think that you have to put him in an offense where he's going to benefit from it, where you're not going to ask him to do these read options and things like that. Give him one read. Give him two reads. Maybe even a third read. If those are taken up, then you can take off a little bit. Like I, I think Mac Jones is more than capable of doing that. And I think there's a lot of guys in the NFL that do that right now. Just because he doesn't run a 4-4 four four doesn't mean that he can't get you some yards when he has to. I feel like I need to almost like get up and demonstrate this in a way. Maybe but like it. you said Aaron Rodgers, right? And sure. so when Aaron Rodgers, he like he, he he's like got the snap and then the tackle misses a guy sure. and so he's got a free runner at him. Yeah. And so when he needs to like get outside the pocket and kind of just keep that guy at bay yeah. and side, you know, uh, shuffle a little bit yeah. or or go back a couple yards and then sprint to the right to be able to create some what, space what and time doing? to throw. You just throw out your back? You, you no, stand I wanted to do it, but yeah, then I was going to get away from the mic. I couldn't carry it. But, oh, I got you. But, like, that's what I envision, okay? I envision that play where, follow me here, Aaron Rodgers gets a snap. Sure. Got kind of almost like a free runner or the play breaks down pretty quick on the right side and a guy's coming out a defensive end a guy that can a good athlete is coming at him and now he's about eight yards deep on the right hash and he's able to shake that guy and get closer to the sideline and then zip a ball in there i watched Minshew do that in denver yeah and Minshew has done it okay. he has he has done it uh I don't know if I ever saw Mac Jones do that, and I just don't but, know if that's going to be his game to be able to. Sure. I think today's quarterback, so again, this isn't about yards necessarily. It's about that escapability to be able to create some time, keep a third down play alive, and then use your arm and your talent and your reads and all that stuff to get it there. I think ah, 60%, 65% of today's quarterbacks are able to do that. Okay. Yeah, and I agree with you. Listen, I don't know the scramble ability of Mac Jones because we didn't really see a lot of it. <laughs> but I also think that a guy that can run a 4-8 or a 4-7, whatever it was, come through the Alabama strength and conditioning program has a little bit of mobility to him. I think that a, a guy who has played, you know, a significant amount of football, who's seen a lot of things, who comes from a pretty prestigious football program in terms of, you know, knowledge and what they can do on the board and identifying schemes and things like that, I think Mac Jones is more than capable of doing Aaron Rodgers-esque stuff, just like Gardner Minshew was. Like Gardner Minshew, I never heard anybody say Gardner Minshew out of college, man, get ready because this guy's going to make plays with his legs. This guy's going to, you know, he's going to shift guys here. He's going to spin on guys here. Like, just wait. Uh, he's... He, he he can extend plays if he has to. I didn't hear one person break that down about Gardner Minshew, but I saw it against Denver. I saw it a couple of times, right? And that guy runs a 4-9. So I think Mac Jones can kind of do the exact same thing. And with Aaron Rodgers, once again, it, it's always the threat. Now, is Mac Jones as fast as Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. But once again, Aaron Rodgers averaged less than 10 yards per game rushing the ball last season for the Green Bay Packers. Like, that's not his thing anymore. And people get it confused, like, well, this guy can take off and run with the ball. It was never really his M.O. It was just a threat. He used it to get open. I think Mac Jones is more than capable of missing one de making one defensive end miss, spinning around, and making a play. Well, if he can do that in the NFL... Uh, where everybody is bigger, faster, stronger anyway, by the way. Absolutely. Even to the SEC. I know some of the SEC folks think like. Even, like it is the NFL. It's the, it's the <laughs> NFL show. Yeah. So, I mean, if he can do that, then I think he's got a shot to be a really. Like, I only see that. I'm not even knocking Mac here. I just think that's a deficiency potentially of his game and how it tra uh, translates to the NFL. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and be like, wow, this guy's going to just. He's the next Tom Brady. 
You know, uh, no, he's got to throw, sure, sure. throw it all over the yard, and he's he's got this leadership ability. Well, we don't know how that's going to translate to the NFL. The guy makes good reads. He throws a beautiful long ball. He's very accurate, and he's got the smarts, the desire, all that stuff. He checks boxes in a lot of ways. I just think we're in an NFL now where you have to ask that question. Is he mobile enough to be the guy I want under center? And I think that's the one part that that would worry me out of Mac. That's why I have him going all over the first round. I mean, I could see teams shying away from that. Um, but then you could fall in love with the other stuff. So I think Mac's going to be good, man. And my my view on this class is I think five of these guys are going to be good players. I think yeah. this is going to be one of the best quarterback classes since 1983. <laughs> yeah. Like I really do. Yeah. Like I I which means it's probably going to suck, but more I, than likely. I mean, I I think that's this class could eventually Get compared to that. I think you're looking at five quarterbacks that are legit, mm-hmm. like really legit. I, and I've said this before. I think in part because the position is played better now than it has been ever before by the masses. Mm-hmm. There are more good quarterbacks that exist. There are more good quarterbacks that kind of know the game and know what to do, even if they only did have 12, 14 games in college to play. The offense is now catered to the quarterbacks. It's If you don't know exactly how to run the NFL offense, we'll throw some things in that help you get to the NFL offense. There's so many things that now help the quarterback out. The rules do the same as well. You have so many. Re- you don't have just one receiver and a running back anymore. Yeah. Now most teams have two, three, four receivers and a running back to go along. There's just so much help for you. I think this class is going to be special. I think Mac's a part of that. Uh, after five, I get a little bit curious because of the Kyle Trasks and others of the world. But I think these top five guys, I don't think they're going to be busts. So I think Mac's going to be a very good quarterback. And then it will depend on the situation, what they put around him, how good they are around him. Yeah, all I know is, listen, I, when I saw Teddy Bridgewater do, because I, I watched a couple Panthers games because I had Curtis Samuel in fantasy. It was it was a roller coaster year for my fantasy team to say the least. But all I know is when I see Teddy Bridgewater doing quarterback read options at getting first downs, um, Teddy Bridgewater of all people, I'm like, okay. I feel like any quarterback can, you know, if you're halfway athletic, you're halfway mobile, um, you can work in a lot of offenses. Now, once again, I think you have to have that special kind of offense for Mac Jones. But to say that he's not athletic and he's not mobile, I don't buy into that narrative. I think he's mobile enough. I think he's going to be athletic enough to work in the right system. Roger Goodell just said full stadiums in the fall. That's the expectation across the NFL. You going? More on that. More on Justin Fields coming up. Did he just have the best pro day of any? I thought I just heard that the last couple of weeks from other quarterbacks. It's all in the way on ESPN 690. I mean, we're in a situation where when you bring in a rookie quarterback, to me, it's always better, especially on the team that you have. You, if you got a, a veteran starter there already who um, you like and you're comfortable winning with, um, that's usually the direction you want to go and not, not throw someone else out into the fire until they're fully ready. And that's the situation we're at. You know, if you, know, you look at uh, free agency, if it goes the other way around, you do things differently, maybe. Um, but right now, and Jimmy, it's going to be hard to find a quarterback that gives us a better chance to win than Jimmy right now, uh, especially even a rookie in the draft. Um, so that's what you look into. Now, if someone wanted something for that and it can make your team better in a lot of other ways, you listen to that, but it also depends on how good you feel about that rookie. And we're not there yet right now. And odds are we probably won't be. That's why we're happy that we don't have to be that way. Mike Shanahan, give me the point. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I, yeah give me the was, point. That's so, like the uh, guy in Jeopardy, right, point. that misses, and like you know you just oh, screwed it up. Oh, I hate that, up. dude. I absolutely hate <laughs> and, that. And the it's like I just jumps in. Or the Wheel of Fortune one, where they scrape when they get all done. 
like, yeah. But they screwed up the... They, or they, they said became, it wrong. Became <laughs> right? oh, how embarrassing. How embarrassing when you, when you go on Wheel of Fortune, you can't read, though. Oh. <laughs> That's a rough one. I still think it's the one game show I think I would. Now, you got to get a little lucky. Wheel of Fortune? But I think, I think I'd think i be pretty good Wheel at Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. Too much stress for me. Really? Yeah, see, like, I'm not smart enough for Jeopardy. you got to get yeah. super lucky and the price is right. The, the, there's too much of the unknown, though, in Wheel of Fortune because you got to spin that stupid wheel and then it lands on bankrupt and then like you're, you're in your feelings and your emotions get high. Put me on Name That Tune with Jamie Foxx. Like my, my wife has actually tried to sign my mom and myself up to Name That Tune. With Jamie Foxx. Really? Yeah. My, Steph always said I would be good at, uh, what's that, The Amazing Race. But I don't I understand gotta, why she says that. My sense of direction is awful. Yeah. Like, it's I not a, good. I had a random person ask me to be on that show with them one time. Really? I'm like, you're going to ask? I mean, it wasn't random. Like, um, you know, I, I knew of the person. Like, we've interacted. But it's like, you're going to, you don't know how I sleep. You don't know how I live. Like, you're going to bring me on The Amazing Race with you for three months? Good luck with that. Yeah. We gotta get Gary Barnage I know we gotta on. get Barnage on. You Every that. time that comes up. How about right now we have Austin Kim on? Uh, Austin Kim playing in the Augusta National Women's like Amateur. Like that name, by the way, Brent. That is a good name. Brent like Barton here in Austin Lane, uh, my co-host here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin, thanks for joining us and taking a few minutes. You spell your name A-U-S-T-O-N. My co-host over here, A-U-S-T-E-N. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very unique well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, uh, you, you caught us at a crazy time, but uh, pick a game show that you think you'd be pretty good at. Jeopardy. Oh, very wow. so you're succeeding. Well, she okay. goes to Van, she's a Vanderbilt. You're pretty <laughs> smart. No, son. Yeah, we're just a bunch well, of dumb sports on, guys over here, Austin. I, I went to Murray State, the public Ivy League of, of the country, <laughs> yes. so yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what Murray State's known for. You better believe it. Uh, Austin, how excited are you to get the um, Augusta National Women's Amateur gets going tomorrow? Uh, how cool is this event, and, and it must be pretty special to be in the field. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, I was looking forward to it last year but with everything that happened you know uh covid and you know uh i mean i'm just extremely ecstatic to be here the course is in fantastic shape um golf game feels good i'm just ready to compete you've played in a lot of big events and by the way we should share your story austin kim from st augustine went to nice high school and just add her and her sister augusta to augusta did i say that right August. August. Yeah, <laughs> I got Augusta and August and everything. Uh, but add you and your sister to a bunch of athletes that probably don't get enough attention. We have so many good athletes in all these different sports around here. And did you know Austin Kim is from St. Augustine, went to Nice High School and playing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur, right? I mean, uh, so that's where that's a little bit of your story. But you've played in a lot of big events. How do you attack this event? Is it, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's just see where my game takes me. Uh, do you have a goal set in mind of uh, of exactly what you want to do? Obviously, everything you enter, you probably want to win. But what what is your mental attack to this week? Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to play that last round at Augusta. I don't want to just play the practice round. I want to, you know, compete on the last day. Um, also, I mean, this event is huge and it's very competitive, but also it's, these are just two more golf courses that I'm adding to my, you know, list of courses that I've played on my repertoire. So I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that I don't get too start too starstruck, but um, also I'm here to compete again. So very exciting stuff. Well, and Austin, you mentioned it, you know, and, and from your perspective, if you were to play in that final at Augusta, like, is that kind of like the, 
you know, is that like the creme de la creme in terms of like your goals of playing at golf courses? Like, does every kid, I guess, grow up trying to want to play at Augusta? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. it's it's paradise for a golfer, you know. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, by the way, I will share a little secret, a little humble brag. I have played there. And, uh, oh wow! Yeah, and <laughs> I had, how'd you shoot though? Uh, Eighty-seven. Okay. Uh, I, had, I'm not sure if that's had, good or bad. Had an uncrustable on Amen <laughs> Corner, so you might want to just duplicate that. Uh, well, that, that, that's my claim to fame at Augusta. I'm not sure they'll that, even have any there for you. <laughs> that's bliss, isn't it? Having an uncrustable on Amen Corner. <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, no, what what are you looking forward to? I guess about playing the golf course. I mean, you obviously seen it on TV, everything. Uh, but what mm-hmm. what is kind of is there something you visualize? Is it Amen Corner? Is it a certain hole? Is it something like going down and seeing where Bubba hit that shot? I mean, what is it for you? I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to how beautiful the course is, and I'm also looking forward to the sandwiches. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the course will be beautiful. There's no doubt. It'll be my first time there. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Good luck to you in the event. Uh, mm-hmm. How You said your game's in good shape. What do you mean? What, what are you doing well? Um, are, you, are you playing as, as good as you can? I mean, uh, how do you feel tuning up uh, for this event? Mm-hmm. I, I feel confident. Uh, long game's been pretty good lately. Uh, I'm rolling it well. So, you know, all I can do is just fairways and greens and hit them close and make a few putts. Just keeping it simple. Austin, you know, being the professional that I am, I try to do some research on you. And uh, I'm not that professional, but I try to do some research on you anyways. But with that being Uh said, every single article that I read about you, they brag about how athletic you are. And it's always about your athleticism, your athleticism. (laughs) Did you grow up playing various sports? Because I find it very hard to believe someone can just be athletic in golf. Like, there has to be some kind of correlation to another sport that maybe you played. (laughs) Is that true? I did not grow up playing another sport, but I grew up with my dad telling me constantly to just hit it as far as I could. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, I guess I just have good genes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no doubt about it. Uh, the pride of Nice High School, St. Augustine's own Austin Kim, spelled A-U-S-T-O-N. Yeah. Good luck and enjoy the experience at Augusta National. I hope you get to that final round. It's not just a practice round. Play well, okay? Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, We'll tell everybody how Austin does uh, the next couple of days. A really cool part of what uh, Masters Week has become now a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's this Augusta National Women's Am. It's the drive, chip, and putt for the kids. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's the Masters. I'm kind of jealous because it might be a more rare way to spell Austin than my name. I was, I mean, there, there's Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs, big-time NHL player, A-U-S-T-O-N as well. Oh, it is O-N. And it's just me and Jane Austin holding it down for the E-N. So. It, it died in 1812. It died in 1812. Yeah, it's been over. <laughs> Finally, we're on the same page. How about A-U-S-T-Y-N? Someone's got to have that. Ooh, let me look that up real quick. We'll look it up. We'll take More a break. More breaking news when we return. Coming back at 4 o'clock on ESPN 690. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.